this is Steve with Life Worth Living. God still does miracles today. He hasn't stopped. Um, He hasn't uh, quit doing miracles. He does miracles all the time, and he wants to do more. In fact, I'm trying to get in the habit of seeing daily miracles from God and not just uh, made-up things or just being appreciative of his help. It's legitimately seeing miracles happen every day. In fact, what I'm doing is I'm, I've created a journal for 2023 and I'm logging every single miracle that I'm seeing on a daily basis. In fact, I'm thinking to myself often, hey, there's still daylight today. God can still do a miracle today. So listen in and learn how to get in the habit of having miracles in your life. about miracles today because that's what Acts chapter 3 is talking about is one of the really first miracles that we know about after Jesus uh, left and the disciples were filled, the early church was filled with the Holy Spirit. One of the first thing that seemed to happen was miracles. How many of you need a miracle in your life? Let me see your hands if you need a miracle in your life. All right. I think all of us need miracles, man. You have, what, what are miracles? And we're going to talk about this a little bit, but what are miracles all about? Miracles help you with your impossibilities. See, we all, when we say I need a miracle, you're saying I have an impossibility. There's something I can't fix. I've tried it and it didn't work. And so I need some help. I need some supernatural help. And so we're going to be talking about miracles. And the good news is that miracles still happen today. Miracles aren't some pie in the sky. Oh, it can't be me. It's just somebody else. It was only back in history. Oh, it was only in a a book somewhere that I read or just in the Bible. No, miracles happen for you today. All right. And I want you, if if there's anything I want to convince you of today is that that is the truth God has a miracle for you. In Zechariah 4, 6, before we launch into Acts 3, this is all from the Bible, all right? Acts, uh, excuse me, Zechariah 4, 6, it says, not by power, not by might. In other words, not by my own strength, not by my own energy, my own effort, my own smarts, or what I can get accomplished. No, it's by the Spirit of God, says the Lord. It's by my Spirit, says the Lord. You get it? All right? So, In those situations where you can't seem to fix it, you need a miracle. And guess what? You have a God or the God that wants to do a miracle for you. All right. So let's look at Acts 3. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to read the first 10 verses just straight through. They're going to be up on the screen. You can follow along. Then we're going to go back after I've read it. We're going to go back and pull some cool nuggets of truth out of it for you, for me. And then have some final thoughts about the principles of the supernatural, principles of how God does miracles and can do miracles today. Here goes Acts 3, starting in verse 1. It says, Now Peter and John, one of the the disciples of Jesus now referred to as apostles, were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, 
the hour of prayer. Now, don't get confused. That's not 9 a.m. That was about 3 p.m. in the afternoon, the ninth hour of daylight. So around 3 o'clock, they were going to the temple to pray. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb had been carried, uh, had, was being carried along, whom they used to set down every day at the gate of the temple, which was called Beautiful. There was an entry into the portico, into the area of the temple called Beautiful. All right. In order to beg, this guy was there to beg for alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking to receive alms and others to receive some some money, uh, something from them. But Peter, along with John, fixed their gaze on him. They stared at him. Can you imagine you're sitting there begging and somebody just stands there and starts gazing at you or staring at you and said, look at us. They commanded him, look at us. He began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I don't have, I don't possess any silver or gold. I don't have any money on me. Sorry, man. But what I do have, I'm going to give you. (laughs) In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So they seized him by his right hand, raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were, were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with him, something he must have never done before, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they took note that he was one of the ones who was there sitting at the gate beautiful at the temple, begging for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. A real live miracle, an immediate, spectacular, surprising, shocking miracle from God done through two ordinary people. How many of you are ordinary? I know I am. All right. Did you know that God wants to do miracles not only for you? He wants to do miracles through you. He wants to use you. Not Sometimes that word use has a bad connotation. Oh, they used me or he used me. That's not the connotation with God. To be used of God is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And God wants to use you in miracles here today. Ordinary people, common people used by an extraordinary God. Well, let's, let's do this. Let's read through this a little bit slower. And get some thoughts out of this that we can take home with us and, and kind of mull over in our minds, meditate on, think on, and see if it doesn't start transfer, transforming the way that we see things and see people and see our situations, okay? So let's go back, and you're going to see these, these thoughts displayed up here on the screen. So Peter and John, again, two ordinary guys. In fact, they were fishermen. If God can use a fisherman, he can use you. He can use me, all right? Two ordinary guys, they were going up to the temple, we said, at about 3 o'clock. And it's interesting that they were going to pray. They were going to pray. You know, Jesus at one point was asked, his disciples, nine of his disciples were trying to cast this demon out of a child, and they couldn't do it. Even though Jesus earlier had given them authority to cast out demons. They couldn't do it. And so they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out that demon out of that child? You gave us authority. 
And you know what Jesus said? He said, these don't come out except by prayer and fasting. There's some impossibilities of your life that you're going to have to get down on your knees and you're going to have to spend some time with God. You may not get down on your knees. You might do it differently. But my point is you're going to have to get serious with God to get your answer to prayer, to get your miracle. You're going to have to get serious with God, and you're going to have to get away from just these little whispered prayers. Oh, God, please help me. You're going to have to get into your proverbial prayer closet and start praying and crying out to God and fasting a meal or two to get your miracle from heaven. Do you see? Jesus said, it's, it's time. These don't come out except through prayer or fasting. And these disciples were going. Now, have you ever seen somebody play the, the bagpipes? You know, sometimes they have this little thing that comes up and they can blow air into their bagpipes. But you'll notice as they play, sometimes they'll take their mouth off and they're not blowing. They're just pressing on this big old bag of the bagpipe. And there's enough air in there to play the bagpipe. You know what? You need to get with God before you're desperate and fill up your soul with his presence so that when it comes time, you don't have to go spend Three weeks worth of prayer to get what you need. You've already gotten a hold of God. You've already spent time with God. You've already filled yourself up with his word, with his promises, with faith, with, with hope. And so when the impossibility comes, you're already prepared. Quite often we have an empty bagpipe and we're constantly trying to fill it up because we're not proactive. We're not spiritually proactive. But God wants you to be spiritually proactive. All right, so some things <laughs> come out by prayer and fasting. Things, some things are going to happen when you get serious with God. Always be prepared. Always be preparing yourself. Being full of the Holy Spirit, full of God, full of his word. What we read on, it says this man who had been lame from his mother's womb, he was born this way. He was born with a handicap. And some of us say, you know what? I got a handicap. You know, I've, I've never been like everybody else. I've never been as good as so-and-so. And other people excel and I don't. What's wrong with me? You know what? We all have handicaps. Every single one of us. I was watching, watching this documentary about Steve Jobs, the founder of Apple. And we look at him, man, that guy was such a success. He literally changed our world through technology. But you know what? He had a handicap. He was vicious. He was mean. He mistreated his family. He mistreated his employees. He had a handicap. So even the person who's up on a pedestal has their deficiencies. They have their handicaps. And this man was no different. But you know what? Miracles happen to people who have never experienced a miracle before. You have, you're, you're primed and ready for your first miracle. If you say, I've never seen the supernatural, Steve, I've never had God help me. First of all, God has helped you and you just didn't realize it. But if you feel like you've never experienced the supernatural, it's time for you to get started today. You may have gone 40 years without an answered prayer. It's time for you to get your prayer answered today. God wants to start you today. So just because it's been a long time doesn't mean it's never going to happen. It's time for a change. It's time for your seasons to change and you to start receiving from God. So they carried him along where they used to set him down every day by this gate of the temple. 
that was called Beautiful, and there he begged for alms. And here's what I, I get from this. I was just studying this. You can just picture me. I'm writing in my journal. Actually, I type. But anyways, writing in my journal, getting good things out of these scriptures. And I, I wrote this down. Miracles turn beggars into overcomers. Miracles turn beggars into overcomers. You know what? Christians often to come to God just begging, please, God, would you just this one time, would you please do this? God wants you to stop begging, and he wants you to be an overcomer. He doesn't want you to be on the losing end anymore. He wants you to be on the winning side. All right? This whole mentality of poor me and and self-pity and I never get any breaks in life. God wants you to stop thinking that way and start thinking like an overcomer. And God, when he starts doing miracles for you, you're going to start thinking different. You're going to start. Your perspective is going to change. You're going to get a higher view of things, a mentality of a winner, praise God. Well, miracles turn beggars into overcomers. And so those who were entering the temple, all right, they were entering the temple. And I started picturing this. In fact, I Googled it and I got a little, saw a schematic of the whole temple area. And sure enough, this poor beggar was begging outside of the temple. It's, there's nothing to, to, that tells us here that this wasn't, this guy wasn't a Jew, Every Jew's highest hope was to get into the temple to worship the God of Abraham. Man, to, to be there in the magnificence of this temple. And this guy couldn't get into the temple. But you know what? <laughs> Miracles happen outside the church. A lot of times we come to church because we want a miracle. And guess what? Praise God. We're two or three are gathered together in God's presence. There he is in the midst of them and God does miracles. But you know what? God wants you to do a miracle out in the workplace. He wants you to do a miracle in your neighborhood. He wants you to do a miracle in your school. God does miracles. It's not just constrained in these four or five walls here. No, no. God wants to take you and use you outside. I can't tell you how many times in my job where somebody comes in and tells me a problem and I I say, you know, I could get in trouble. In fact, once I did. But I said, can I pray with you right here in my office? And they look over their shoulder and look around. I guess you can pray for me. You know what? God wants to use you where you're at. Don't worry about what people think. I'll tell you what, if you take one little step of faith and you pray for somebody, God's going to do something powerful through you in their lives. So God works. Thank goodness he worked outside of the temple for this guy because this guy couldn't seem to get in because of his handicap. So we read on in verse 3. And so when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking them for alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on them, and he said, look at us. Look at us. And I'm sure if you ever noticed this, especially for a beggar that's sitting down, they tend to not look up. They just go like this, you know? Life's been hard. They haven't had any breaks. Things have gone against them. They don't look up, but they were, this this guy was instructed to stop looking down and to start looking up. You know, the reason why we don't look up to Jesus, maybe not physically, but spiritually, is a lot of times we just don't think we deserve it. We've done too many bad things. We've gone too far. We have too many regrets, too many memories, too many weaknesses, too many trip ups. 
And we're ashamed, we're embarrassed, and we won't look up to Jesus. But you know what? When Jesus shows up, we see it time and time again in the Bible. He says, look at me. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, the pioneer of your faith. Fix your eyes on him. Take your attention off of your pathetic self. (laughs) I'm going to take my attention off of my pathetic self. Take it off of your failings and put it on to the perfection of Jesus. Praise God. Stop looking down. Stop feeling undeserving. And here's one. You're going to get a text this week. If you, get a, if you receive the text, you're going to get one that reads something like this. Is Find somebody who has faith and watch them. Find. This guy was not looking at anybody. And Peter and John said, look at us. Not that we're perfect, but find somebody that you, ha- you look up to, a man or a woman of faith, and watch them. And you're, you're the course of your life is going to start changing. Stop looking at the mirror and beating yourself up. Find some good example. Look at the, the example of Jesus, and your life is going to start changing. You're going to start seeing miracles like you've never seen before. Self-focus was one of the worst things that you can do. So anyways, in verse 5, it says, He began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. (laughs) You know what? Stop using your attention to look at negative things, to think negative thoughts. I believe one of our number one enemies of most people is a negative mindset. Is thinking, I can't do it. It's never going to happen. Things are never going to change. That's negativity. And if you put your attention on that, guess what? That's exactly what's going to happen for you. Nothing ever good is going to happen for you. Because you're focused. As, as the no, nose of your life points, that's the direction that you're going to go. There's, uh, there's the concept of, uh, of, of an airplane's um, attitude, all right? Attitude. And we think of attitudes, human attitudes, but there's the attitude of the airplane. If that airplane's attitude is faced up with proper thrust, it's going to go up. But if the attitude of an, of an airplane is facing down, guess what? It's going to go down. So let's start paying attention. And the Bible tells us we should better pay attention to the things that we have learned. Let's start paying attention like what we're talking about here today. You could pay attention to what we're talking about today, and you can walk out those doors with faith for a miracle and receive your miracle. Praise the Lord. So let's stop paying so much attention and wasting our attention on negative things. Did you know that over 90% of the things that you worry about aren't going to happen? So stop worrying. Stop being negative. Start believing God. In fact, the Bible's pretty clear that if we can just believe, all things are possible. If we just put our faith in God, you can speak to this mountain. Your your impossibility, speak to it. Say, you know what? In the name of Jesus, I'm using my mustard seed of faith here. In the name of Jesus, mountain of obstacles, move out of my way. And God's going to start moving mountains for you. Because you have a mustard seed of faith. Praise God. All right? So... Uh, This man, I love it. He says he began to give his attention to them and expecting to receive. We need to do that. Look to Jesus and expect to receive. And look look what happens. But Peter said, I don't possess silver or gold, but what I do have, I'm going to give it to you. 
And each of us, if we're Christians, even non-Christians, you have something to give. Take it, whatever you have, and put it in someone else. Plant a seed in someone else, and you're going to start bearing fruit in your life based on the seed that you've planted in someone else. Find someone else and lift them up. Find someone and encourage them. Find one, someone and push them a little bit. If they're not getting moving, say, come on, let's, let's, let's get up together here. Pick them up and move them in the right direction. You're planting a seed and the fruit's going to come back to you. You're going to be blessed for finding someone to lift them up. We're always about ourselves. Find somebody this week. One person and plant a seed of faith, of love, of hope, of a miracle in their lives, and you're going to receive the benefits from that. So they seized him by his hand. They raised him up. Immediately his feet and his ankles were strengthened. It was an unexpected, surprising, shocking miracle. And I read um, somewhere, (laughs) I never can remember where I read things in the Bible, But somewhere in Isaiah 40-something, 45, 46, 47, it says that God acted suddenly. And we serve a God of the suddenlies. We're cranking along maybe month after month or year after year, and then God does something suddenly that turns our lives around, gets us back on the right track, does a miracle, does something supernatural. He's the God of the suddenlies. With a leap, he stood up, began to walk. He entered the the temple. And look at this. This guy finally got to where he wanted to go. He'd been inches away from getting into the temple his whole life. And now a miracle got him to where he needed and wanted to go. And I want you to think, maybe it's yourself, maybe it's a loved one who just had never been able to get past a certain obstacle in their life. It could be an addiction. It could be a way of thinking. And they just hit this this glass wall or this glass ceiling. God wants to do a miracle for their life and get them past that threshold, past that obstacle, past that, that place that they've never been able to go past before. He's walking, he's leaping, he's praising God. The people saw it, and look at this. They were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Wonder and amazement. What would it take for an atheist to believe in God? What would it take? A miracle. What would it take? I was talking to a young man yesterday uh, uh, of the Islamic persuasion, very strong in his faith in Allah. What would it take for that man to be convinced, that young man to be convinced that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? A miracle. What would it take for someone who's an agnostic? They're not sure, and they have a lot of questions, a lot of doubts, or skeptics. What would it take? A miracle. What would it take for that friend, that loved one that you know that's been struggling with addictions for years to get past their addictions? A miracle. I'm telling you, God wants you to be used in signs and wonders and miracles. Why? So that people will be amazed and in wonder at the Lord God that we serve. Praise God. I tell you what. I'm going to jump ahead, so I'll shut up. Let's stick with the program here. All right, let's, let's just give you some, a couple of thoughts, all right? 
does God still do miracles today? That's, that's the first hump, you know? And so the people that are saying, yes, I assume it's because you've experienced or seen a miracle before, right? That's why you would say yes. Others would say, well, I don't know if he does or doesn't. Well, you need a miracle so that you become a believer in, in God's supernatural power available to us today. Why do I believe it? Well, God healed my digestive system as a young child. My mom and dad prayed and prayed and prayed. I couldn't eat hardly anything without being completely sick. And I, I assume I wasn't going to last very long in this life. And God did a miracle one night and healed my body. Gave me a strong digestive system. Praise God. I've experienced a miracle. I've seen a miracle. He's healed my back. He's healed other things. He's done miracles, not just physical miracles. We prayed for our washer all year long, and God healed our washer over and over again. We prayed for a dog with parvo, and God healed the dog for crying out loud. That dog was dying. How many of you have pets, and you care about your pets? All right. God does miracles. Be a skeptic. I don't care. He does them. All right? He does them. He's removed enemies out of my way. You say, Steve, do you have enemies? Yeah, I sure do. You have enemies too. Everybody has enemies. I don't want to make any enemies. But if somebody's being mean to you and ugly to you, he's your, he or she is your enemy. And guess what? God wants to move your enemies out of your way. Miraculously. I've had people, man, I was working in companies, obviously, and, and this high, high level, probably second or third person in the company was giving me and others a hard time, and I just kept doing my job, kept praying, and God moved that guy out of the way. Did it many times he's done this for me, all right? He's freed me from sinful habits and vices that were gripping me. God does miracles, that's why I can confidently say before you and to you, God does miracles. All right? So who is supposed to perform these miracles? Well, we know God performs miracles, but look at this. There's a certain set of things or ways of being that you need to have for God to use you in miracles. And let me share with you what they are. First of all, you need to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is a disciple? It's a learner. It's a student of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, an active follower of Jesus. Why? Because it says that Jesus went to his disciples and he gave them authority to heal the sick and to cast out demons, to do miracles. So if you want to be a miracle worker, start following Jesus today. Start following his example today. Start Letting him command you what to do and what not to do. Here's the second thing, is we've got to be people of compassion. Miracles are our wonderful release from bondage, whether physical, financial, mental, whatever it is. Miracles free people from bondage. So you've got to have compassion on people to see that a miracle is in fact needed in these situations. The third thing is people have got to believe God. All right? not the person receiving the miracle, you can have faith for them. I learned this from my mom. She says, here, just rely on my faith. If you can't have any faith, I'll have faith for you. All that's needed is some faith from somebody for a miracle to happen. So believe God. 
believe God. Here's the fourth thing is you got to be a person who is actively listening to the Holy Spirit of God because he's the one that's directing where and when and how all of this is going to happen. All right, so listen to God. Now, let me give some scriptures to kind of uh, support each of these four things. But let me tell you this. Of each of those, these four things, look, being a disciple, having compassion, believing God, listening to God, you say, well, oh, I don't know, man. I got, when do I get started? Get started today. You can start all four of these things today. And you can see a miracle today. This is not something that has to drag out for years. This can happen today. But let's look at each of these in terms of what Scripture tells us. Matthew 10.1 says, Jesus called his 12 disciples, all right, to him. He gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and every sickness. All right, you start following Jesus, God is going to give you the power to do wonderful miracles in this world. In your own way, in your own fashion, unique ways, praise God. God wants to use you in the supernatural. As it relates to compassion, look at this in Matthew 14, 14. It says, when Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd and he had compassion on them. Therefore, he healed the sick. See, compassion heals like nothing else, man. If you're gripped by the pain that someone is going through, whether physical, emotional, you have compassion. You can't overdo empathy or sympathy. God wants you to empathize with people suffering. Empathize. See, faith without works, God says, is dead. If you have faith, you better be showing your faith by loving someone, by helping someone. Compassion heals like nothing else. In fact, Dale Walker, a a, a pastor that started churches here in El Paso, now is in Las Cruces, he says this, You aren't going to move mountains. In other words, you're not going to do miracles until you're moved by God's compassion. You're not going to move mountains until God moves your heart with compassion. And then Mark 9, 23, as it relates to believing God, look, everything is possible for the one who believes. You're swimming in an ocean of possibilities If you can just believe God, nothing is going to be impossible. Nothing is going to be too difficult for you. Now, I was talking to this guy, and I won't tell you what denomination he was from. All right. You can speculate on this one. But I asked this guy once. We were talking about miracles. This was a long, long time ago. And I said, do you believe that God does miracles today? He said, no. Miracles stopped with the New Testament. God doesn't do miracles anymore. And I told him, I was kind of bold. He was a lot older than I was. I was kind of bold. I wasn't being obnoxious or, or iris, uh, you know, disrespecting him. But I said, man, if you don't believe that God's just going to do miracles, he's not going to do miracles for you. And, and what I was saying was true. If you don't believe God can do a miracle, the Bible tells us, according to your faith, it will be done unto you. So it's up to us to listen to the Spirit of God, and receive the faith of God to do what God wants to do, which is always going to be supernatural in nature because that's how he is and how he operates. All right, now look at this. 2 Timothy 3.5 speaks of, in, in, even in these days, that there will be a form of godliness that denies its power. 
I tell you what, if I had to go to a church that told me that God is, doesn't do miracles, I think I would shrivel up and die. All right? I don't want to have a form of godliness that denies the power of God to help me in my day-to-day life. I need God's help, his supernatural, miraculous help every day, every hour of the day. Don't give me some, some, you know, just tell me the Bible is a bunch of rules to do's and don't do's with no involvement of God's life, God in my life. That's terrible. I want God involved in my life in a powerful way. I don't want to deny his power. In fact, it tells us here in 2 Timothy to stay away from people that talk that way, that believe that way. Stay away from powerless Christians because they're just going to drag you down. Get around somebody that's full of faith, that believes God is going to do something good in your life, and your faith level is going to go up as a result. In fact, we see in Romans 10, 17, I already quoted this, but faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And I want you to key on this word. So how do you get more faith? By hearing the word, hearing the word. Now, the, the, the New Testament, as we've mentioned several times, was written in Greek, and that this this word, the word word <laughs> here in, in the Greek is is Rhema. It's the Rhema word of God. What's the Rhema word of God? Well, it's not just the written word of God that you read in the Bible. It's when you hear from the Holy Spirit a word from heaven, you start hearing that way, that produces faith in you to do mighty things for the Lord. You need to hear whispers from the Holy Spirit. You need to hear the rhema word of God. What is the rhema word of God? It's the dynamic word of God. It's the saying of God. What he's saying right here, right now. It's a command that God might give on your behalf or even to you. It's a good report instead of a bad report. You could be sitting there and the doctor's giving you a bad report and the Holy Spirit whispers into your ear, that's not the way it's going to turn out for you. See, that's the rhema word of God that builds hope. It, it gives you a good report. It's a promise from heaven. It's a sovereign word from God that you need to believe. That's the rhema word of God, and that's what produces faith in us for miracles. Now, what are some enemies to miracles? Don't worry, we're almost done here. What are some, some enemies to miracles? Well, doubt. Fear is an enemy negativity is a big-time enemy. I think that Satan himself uses that more than anything else against us. Hopelessness is an enemy. And I'll tell you another one, helplessness is an enemy. Helplessness, thinking, I can't do anything. I, I'm like, you know, straitjacket here. I can't get out of this situation. You are not helpless if you're a son of God, if you're a daughter of God. You're not helpless. So shake off Shake off that helplessness and start believing God is doing something on your behalf and that you're not caged in and cooped up. So what exactly is a miracle? Well, I thought of three things as I was journalizing this for myself. A miracle is first and foremost a destruction of Satan's works and efforts in somebody's life. A miracle destroys the work of the devil in people's lives. A miracle is also overcoming a natural limitation in this world. 
Now, some of us are older than others, but as you get older and older, you start getting aches and pains and, and uh, injuries more easily and maybe some diseases possibly. You know what? Miracles overcome the natural limitations of this world. So no matter what your age is, you still qualify for a miracle from God, no matter what the aging process is doing to you. The third thing that a miracle is or does is it spreads the knowledge of God's glory everywhere. In that temple, this guy was leaping and jumping, and I guarantee you everybody in that city learned that that guy had been healed. It spreads the knowledge of God's glory everywhere. The Bible tells us that at some point, the knowledge of the glory of God is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. I can't wait for that day to happen. When there is everybody is going to know about the knowledge of the glory of God. Well, miracles do precisely that. Don't you think that God wants to do miracles for that reason alone? It's going to, it's going to bring him glory, and that's what we want, and that's certainly what he wants. So let's just look at these scriptures that support this. Look in 1 John 3, 8. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy all the devil's work. Did you know that some sickness, not all sickness, but some sickness is brought on by the enemy himself? The devil wants people to be sick because guess what? When Christians are sick, they can't do a whole lot. And so God says, hey, you know what? I'm going to trump the devil's work by sending a miracle of healing and health to raise this person back up so they can continue doing my work. So he came to destroy the devil's work. What is the devil's work? Well, sickness, addiction, impoverished uh, living. God came to destroy the works of the devil through miracles, supernatural miracles. People that are bipolar and paranoia and schizophrenic and have mental illness. Don't you think that's a work of the enemy? Absolutely. God came and Jesus came to, to destroy these works in people's lives by giving them mental wholeness. Look at this. Now, I said destroy the work, Satan's work. Here's another one to overcome the natural limitations of this world. In John 16, 33, Jesus said to his disciples, he says, hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble. It's just natural. This world Car accidents happen. Natural disasters happen. People get laid off from work. People get divorced. In this world, you are going to have trouble. But you know what? Take heart. I have overcome the world. Miracles can happen when there's, we're not looking for demons under every rock. You know, bad things happen because just stuff happens. Guess what? Miracles even happen in those situations. God has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world. And then lastly, this, this spreading of the knowledge of the glory of God in Acts 19.20, it says, in this way, and you'd have to read the context of this scripture, which I'm not going to do right now, but the verses before, the verses after to get the, the gist of this. But it says, in this way, in other words, the miraculous power that's described in this chapter, the word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. Why? Because God did miracles. He did miracles. So you ask yourself, how can God start performing miracles through me? How can he start performing miracles through you? You can start today. And I want to share with you just some final, just, just this is a final thought. So first of all is start small. 
you know, our puny little brains are, are limited and we can't see how big God is and how awesome he can do things, you know? And so, so it's okay. Start small and say, you know what? I want a small miracle, God. <laughs> I want a small miracle. I don't care. You decide what it is, God, but Lord, do something miraculous that's small for me. And see, your faith is going to start building from there. Just believe in God for small things. I can't find my blasted keys. Do a miracle and show me where my keys are. And God helps you find your keys. All right, start small. Praise God. And God, yeah, me and Larry, right? (laughs) My family, by the way, my family could kill me. I lose stuff all the time. And anyways, that's a side story. So look at this. Start small. Here's the second thing. Keep a journal, right? You know, find something to write on and start logging all the miracles that God is doing in and through you, small, big, medium size, whatever they are. Just start writing them down. The third thing that you can do is, is you can let your experience grow up to the size of God's promises. So we like to dumb God down. Well, my aunt died of cancer, so who's, I'm not going to survive. Well, that's dumbing God down to the size of your experience. Stop doing that. God's been dealing with me about this. Let your experience grow up to the size of God's promises, irregardless of what you've seen happen in other people's lives. Let your experience be your experience, and don't limit it because of someone else's experience. All right? Let it grow up to the size of God's promises. And here's the fourth thing, is learn to begin to discern the voice of God. Well, how do you do that? I can't hear God's voice. How do you do that? Start reading your Bible, and you'll learn the voice of God. You'll start learning the voice of the Spirit as He prompts you, as He he gives you a yield sign, says, slow down, don't do this, or gives you a stop sign. Learn the voice of God, and you're going to see more and more miracles because God is always speaking Miracles. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. He's just looking for somebody to hear him and believe him. The last thing here is when you have a surge of faith because of a promise that God has whispered into your heart, your soul, act on it. Act on it. Uh, Man, I'd seize the moment of faith. Pray for whoever needs to be prayed for. Do whatever needs to be done. And God is going to start using you in miracles. I'll end with this interesting thing that I read recently, there was this um, the saint of, of, in the Catholic Church, Thomas Aquinas. He was a friar back in the 1200s, and he came into the present of Pope Innocent II. And before the Pope, I guess there on the table was a large sum of money, all right? It was spread out, and the Pope observed. He said, you see, the church is no longer in the age where she can say, silver and gold, have I none? We're rich, And Thomas Aquinas said, true, Holy Father, but neither can she no longer say to the lame, rise up and walk. I'll tell you what, you tell me, you know, financial security, earthly security, or walking in the supernatural, forget it, man. I want to walk in the supernatural. You know, having human lack is going to force me to trust in God. And that's when miracles start happening is when you're desperate, When you don't have any solutions, you don't have any answers, you trust in God, and God starts doing mighty things. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for, Lord, 
God, we need to start walking in the divine, Lord, living in the supernatural, expecting God to do what God says he does, which is miracles, signs and wonders. Lord, I pray that you begin to multiply signs and wonders in us and through us and by us, Lord God, as men and women of God and perfect as we are, Lord, begin to be used of God. Used of God in the classroom, Lord. Used in God, used of God uh, with clients, Lord, at work, Lord Jesus. With employees, oh God. Lord, used with perfect strangers at Walmart or walking down the street, Lord Jesus. Lord, help there be, to, to be surges of faith in each one of us, Lord God. At opportune times, Lord God, where that faith arises within us. And we go over to someone and we talk to them. We encourage them. We pray for them, Lord. We believe for them, Lord Jesus. God, I pray that you would begin to use those of us in Life Worth Living Church and in all other life-giving churches throughout the city and in Juarez, Lord, to see miracles begin to happen everywhere, everywhere, Lord Jesus. 